welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and we have to start by congratulating Vera Powell and the Irish women's team who secured a place in round two of the World Cup playoffs. They needed to defeat Slovakia last week and they did just that. They now play Scotland or Austria away and that game will take place in October. So results from the Women's National League and DLR Waves drew one all with Athlone Town. Sligo Rovers lost to Galway 5-2. Treaty United were beaten 4-0 at home to Bohemians. Wexford Utes defeated Cork City 5-1 while Shelburne were beaten 1-0 by P-Mount United. And those results mean that Wexford Utes are now top of the table, the leapfrog Shelburne. Big news from the weekend and Galway Women's Football Club are to step away from the National League next season but there seemingly is interest in forming a new team ahead of the 2023 season. My guest this week is a talent spotter for the AFLW as well as a skills coach. He has played his part in the large number of girls who are now playing down under. It's Mike Curran. Mike, you are an AFLW talent ID and a skills coach. So what does that entail? That's right. Well, that's kind of got two elements to it, I suppose. First, the first bit is self-explanatory. Um, I work with getting some of the Irish players here in Ireland over to Australia, connected up with clubs and to get spot lists and contracts secured. And in terms of skills, skills coaching then, I also work with all the AFLW players when they're back here in Ireland in their off seasons um, in conjunction with their clubs, just making sure that they're keeping their skills up uh, while they're here at home and getting them ready to head back out to Australia for the following season. How did you get involved in all that? That's a long story. I've been involved in AFL in Ireland for about 22 years at this stage. So way back in 1999 uh, when I started playing initially myself when I was in college in Dublin and I actually set up the Irish Men's League in 2000 and then I established uh, a women's competition in 2017 around the same time that the AFLW started and worked as the Irish national team coach up until 2021 and I also coached some club and university teams here in Ireland as well but since uh, last year 2021 I've been working exclusively with the professional side of the game and with the Irish AFLW players the existing players uh, players that are hoping to go over across the next couple of seasons When you started getting involved in all that did you ever envisage that so many Irish ladies were going to head over to Australia? Uh, Probably not to the extent that it is now or as quickly as that has happened I suppose Back initially, when the first AFLW season happened in 2017, there was one Irish player initially, and that was Laura Corrigan, originally from Cavan, but based in Melbourne at the time. Following season 2018, there was just Laura and Cora, and of course, we all know Cora's story. Cora was the first Irish player that actually went over deliberately to play AFLW when she was drafted by the GWS Giants, and what a move that was. And then gradually, across the following year in 2019, I flew to Melbourne with a group of 12 or 11 Irish players uh, to a recruitment camp over there, and from that, Ailish Constein got signed with Adelaide Crows and of course she's gone on to win two premierships across the last couple of seasons and has been hugely successful. We also saw Yvonne Bonner signed up to Giants and that was the same year that Sarah Rowe went over to Collingwood and Ash Mack was picked in the draft for Western Bulldogs. So it was at five in 2019 and then across the next couple of seasons a couple of expansions happened in the AFLW which meant new teams joined the competition. So in 2020 I think it went up to 12 or 14 players. Uh, 2021 then we had COVID hit so we only saw Breed's 
Isaac and Lauren McGee go over and last year Rachel Cairns was the only player to go over but it's really started to take off again this season now there was five players went over from Ireland and I was involved in helping all of those girls Vicky Wall, Eric O'Shea, Brian Mack and Anya McDonough and Orla Lally from Meads and of course a couple of new players signed in Australia as well so it's absolutely unbelievable that there's 22 Irish players playing professional sport in on the other side of the world I don't think there's any other sport or scenario where it's happened it's really exciting this year further expansion where the final four teams into the competition has obviously contributed to that but I would expect to see a few more players heading over across the next couple of years as well Okay what's the attraction well apart from money and the sunshine uh, What's the attraction apart from the fantastic lifestyle I'm getting paid to play sports I suppose look as you know, uh, we joke about the money but that wasn't always the, the main reason mm-hmm. that the players went over obviously this season the pay has become a lot more lucrative the salaries for the players have almost doubled they've all increased by an average of 94% with the new CBA or the collective bargaining agreement uh, which was just completed before the start of this season there back in uh, April or May so that's fantastic it, it's made a lot more lucrative for the Irish players but the main attraction always is and always has been from the very start and, and all of the girls will acknowledge this when they come back is that they all get to play a professional sport you know they work so hard they train so hard they put in so much time and effort here at home and they play sport to a very high standard but it is amateur in status where in reality they're training as a professional so when they get to go to Australia they're a full time athlete they can just go to their training two or three days a week play their game at the weekend recover and have their time off then every other day their only focus is football and sport and, and they get to enjoy that and that's something that they all really appreciate Has it surprised you with the way those players have quickly learnt the game and have made their debut so quickly? It hasn't surprised me look the Irish players as I've just mentioned are operating at that elite level of fitness already they've got some transferable skills such as the kick, the hand pass, the catch, the mark, as they call it in Australia. So they have the basic skills, albeit it's a different shaped ball. That's the most fundamental thing they need to get used to. But other than that, they're so fit and they operate at such a high level of athleticism that they tend to slot in almost seamlessly when they get to Australia. Nearly always the Irish players are amongst the, the most athletic players mm-hmm. at the club. Orla Dwyer would have won the 2K oh. time trial at Brisbane Lions in her first year. Sarah Rowe won it at Collingwood in her first year. A more recent example, Orla Lally went out a few weeks ago and in her training session she clocked the highest speed on the track for Fremantle Dockers. So they are already operating at that elite level of athleticism but they just got to get used to the ball and the rules and they're doing that so quickly now. It's phenomenal. Again, we had round one and three Irish players made their debut so most of those girls had only been over in a couple of weeks for example Vicky Wall and Orla Lally just headed out after meets all Ireland final win so they've only been in Australia three weeks and they made their debut at the weekend so that's a phenomenal uh, success rate for them to play straight away and I know that a lot of the girls as soon as they have signed for a club they have put the work in I was talking to Erica O'Shea before she went over to North Melbourne and she had been doing so much work before she went to Australia yeah well look at Erica as one of the players I was involved with myself so once they signed the contract then the real work starts here we do skill sessions almost weekly with them here in, in Ireland be it in Cork or in Limerick or in Dublin or wherever the players are based and then they're straight into their gym programs and their strength and conditioning programs from the club so they're working with the clubs straight away getting into the same programs as the other girls touching base with the strength and conditioning teams and the fitness coaches and they're kind of ready to hit the ground running when they do arrive in Australia then even the likes of uh, Vicky would have been doing some work with Melbourne at the same time as she was preparing for the All-Ireland final How does it work out? Does someone come 
to you and say, I'm interested in going to Australia? Or do you pinpoint players who you think could make the grade or could make the move to Australia? It's a combination of both. I've been working with the AFLW clubs for about six years now. So at this stage, I have a really good relationship with them all. I know what they're looking for. In certain cases, a club will come to me and they, they'll specify what type of a player they want. So they might have a specific need to fill a specific position in their squad or a specific type of player. For example, a very tall player, something like that. So generally, I would probably scout the girls here at home based on what the clubs are looking for. And that probably will happen with the majority of the players this season. But now, given the growing interest and exposure, to the game here in Ireland I also of course get a lot of players contacting me saying that they'd like to try it out so it'd be a combination of, of both of me going and getting in touch with players that I think are suitable for the clubs and then players coming forward to me that just see how successful the other Irish players are being and that would like to give it a go or even find out what's involved in, in trying to put themselves in front of the clubs Yeah because you had a few sessions I remember a couple of years ago and I think that's how Ashley and Sheridan from Cavan got involved Yeah so initially uh, there, there was a couple of trips as I, said, I mentioned earlier in, in 2019 or 2018 we actually flew I flew myself with a group of girls to uh, Melbourne 11 girls we were there for a week and Ashton Sheridan was part of that initial group the following year there was a camp in at Lone attended by about 30 players and then the AFL had their combine in Dublin in 2019 at UCD which I was involved in as well and that was attended by 16 or 17 players and the likes of Lauren McGee would have been at that one and that's where she got scouted from so in a lot of cases the players would have been seen at a combine or a talent event but more recently because of Covid and because of all those events um, being paused what's happening now is that the clubs are just getting information that I'm feeding back to them from here about the players we do some highlight reels I meet the players and we do skill sessions with the Sharon football and we take some vision of that and feed all that back to the clubs so they kind of get a feel for the player over here and in some cases they might be talking to a player for two years before they actually get to Australia in other cases it might be very fast like this season for example Orla Lally would have been particularly fast but that's mainly due to the fact that two seasons followed quickly one after the other due to the, the change in timing in the season over there As well as obviously physicality and how they can adapt to the game do you have to talk to them you know about emotionally and and mentally how prepared they are. Of course, it's it's a key factor and that's part of the preparation that we do with the club. You know, each player would do multiple interviews or chats with the clubs. As I say, it might be five or six chats and they'll talk to the coaches, they'll talk to the list managers, they'll talk to the fitness people, the strength and conditioning people around the club. Uh, so it's very important that the club knows the player very well before they leave Ireland. And in, in most cases, especially with the women's game, it's slightly different to the men's game where the guys that go over from Ireland might be 17, 18, 19. In these cases, although it's getting slightly younger this year and moving forward the players will be a bit more mature they'll be like twenty, mid-20s possibly uh, but yeah that's the critical um, element of it is the player's character and their own determination to go over there and succeed it just doesn't cut it that you're a good footballer you really have to be uh, to fit the bill of what that team's culture is and that they got to be happy that you're going to come over and fit seamlessly into a group of 30 people who you've never met before and you're going to be part of that group for a six month intense season so it's a huge part of it but the clubs uh, to work with myself and talking to the players spend a lot of time in making sure they get to know the players very well they meet their families all of that uh, so that they're happy when everybody's getting on the plane that it's the right move because it's so different than summers going over to America and playing during the summer there because it's only a couple of hours away whereas this is a long way away and you have to have that in your mind that it's just you can't go over there for a few months that it's all or nothing yeah it, it's a huge commitment and I think everybody acknowledges that all the clubs in, in Australia and the AFLW acknowledge that it is a big commitment it's a huge de decision for players 
to up sticks here, leave their life, head over to the other side of the world, commit to this new sport, and thankfully they're almost always successful. But it's down to the personality and the character of the players that they're able to pull that off. At the moment, it's probably a six-month uh, trip in terms of the season and pre-season. If we roll on and roll forward a couple of seasons, maybe by 2026, they anticipate that the AFLW will be fully professional and will run all year round, uh, similar to the men's. So there'll be less of an opportunity for the players to come back, and it might be a more difficult decision at that stage. But at the moment, even go for six months, it's a sizable chunk. And I know uh, some players find it more difficult than others. They all succeed. If we take a look at Erica, who I have this year, she's the youngest Irish player to ever go over at only 19. And her father, John, travelled with her for the first six weeks, which was obviously a huge help to her. And it was a huge comfort to the family that they knew that she had a parent over there with her to settle her in. And that was brilliant. So he got settled in across the period of time that he was there. And by the end, I know the family joke about it, she was kind of asking him when he was going back. (laughs) That was a sign that she was happy she was settled in and she'd met her friends yeah it is a huge transition and in fairness the Irish girls are brilliant at just getting stuck in and becoming part of the club with the amount of numbers now that are going over to Australia it's a negative then because people are kind of talking about what's this going to do with the ladies football game here in Ireland because a lot of those players are missing out on championship games because it's part of the contract to just play solely Aussie rules so this is the first season that this has happened and it's obviously become a bit of a topic of conversation prior to this for the last six seasons there was a happy marriage where players could go to Australia for six months play the FLW season come back to Ireland and they would have been back here in ample time to play it through the full championship and they were able to to do both of them even though it was still difficult to transition from one sport to the other on a continuous basis and some of the players allude to that the likes of Sarah always said it was very hard to do six months here six months there but they were able to do it this year it's changed uh, due to the change in timing of the season and obviously I think only three players played in the ladies Gaelic Cup and Championship here at home and obviously it was very topical then right up to the All-Ireland Final with me playing and winning brilliantly but then we had Vicky and Orla Lally heading out within two or three days of their celebrations straight out to Australia so it's definitely made it uh, more complicated in terms of the fact that it'll probably be trickier to do both going forward in fairness to the AFLW clubs generally they, it'll be on a player by player basis but they won't stop the Irish players playing LGFA when they come back here but it will be the timing that will make it difficult from now on I was going to say that to you how is or is there a relationship between yourself and the LGFA I keep in touch with the LGFA at the moment it's pretty casual but I mm. suppose at some point in time there will have to be a conversation about it and, and possibly there's talks of getting the Gaelic Players Association involved and around the table with the LGFA and the FLW in terms of going forward but also I think while it's a, a hot topic at the, at the moment generally across the next few seasons we're not going to see a flood of players going over there I, I think people tend to, to hype, hype that up we have t- 22 Irish players playing this season only 28 Irish players have gone over in total across the, the seven years so far this season was exceptionally different in that there was four new teams or expansion teams as they call them so now it's up to a full 18 side competition and the main thing that impacts this in Australia is that the talent pool in Australia of local players is getting increasingly better year on year uh, much more so than when the competition started uh, six years ago in 2017 so it will actually be harder for Irish players to get over there going forward now because there are so many good, talented young players coming through in Australia that wouldn't have been there previously. But I think we'll still probably see four or five players a year for the next few years. But 
it's definitely not going to be a case of floodgates opening. I think it's going to, to peak and taper off after that. We get to 2026 when it does become fully professional, if that's the plan at the moment. And I think as well, COVID kind of made people reevaluate their lives and see where they're going. And a lot of them probably thought, you know what, if I get this opportunity, like we mentioned Eric and she's so young and she said like, if she goes out there for a couple of years, she can still come back and play football. And I think that was it. Your life was on hold for COVID. So you might as well, if you get this opportunity, just go for it. I think so. And I mean, you wouldn't blame the players. And we see that anyway with a number of the LGFA county teams around the country. A lot of players have gone and taken the summer off and, and headed to the States or headed traveling or taken the year off. So I think that's a result of, of COVID in general. But particularly, um, yeah, for the Irish players who are looking at this as an opportunity and something to do, COVID has, has provided that break for people to try and decide that they're going to do something different. And in fairness to the Irish players that went over during COVID, that was 10 times harder than yeah. it is now. We have to acknowledge they had to do two weeks quarantine in a hotel, every one of them for, for two years, which I can only imagine how torturous that is. Like the Insta stories were good, though. The Insta stories were brilliant. I think they kept us all entertained uh, between kicking footballs against mattresses. We saw Sarah Owen actually <laughs> Sheridan getting into trouble with hotel security. And we also saw Elish Constantine trying to do 10,000 steps a day, walking around the bed. So yeah, we were definitely entertained. Fair play to them. I don't know how they did it, but it was fantastic that they don't have to do that anymore, for sure. So your week, I suppose it is all about the football and then watching games, obviously, at weekends. But how is your week? Well, at the moment, it kind of changes between two different types of the year. When it's off-season and the players are here at home, we're working almost full-time out on the football pitches, training the existing girls, working with the girls that are hoping to get over, doing all the player interviews with the clubs, providing the information to the clubs so that we're lining up players that are looking to go next season. And then once they all get over there and it kicks into season mode, we're into analysing the games, you know, providing highlights and updates and news on all the teams, all the players, on all our social media sites. And there's huge interest in that at the moment. You know, there's a phenomenal level uh, and a noticeable increase in interest this year. And I think that's down to, I suppose, the level of players that went over this year, but it's also down to coverage that as we have had here at home across the last couple of seasons. TG Carr have been brilliant as always, showing games for the last two years. And Virgin Media News had their highlight show last year. I'm not sure if that's going ahead this year. BT Sport are showing three live games every weekend of all the social media and sports channels covering it. So there's definitely a, a huge and growing level of interest in the sport. So when the players are over, we're busy trying to keep on top of all that. And when they're over here, we're, we're busy working with them. It's varied, um, but very interesting. Yeah, because you talk about the interest. And I remember years ago, we'd sit down and we would watch Australian Rules football but now when you know the players and I'm from Longford would be near Cavan my mother's from Mullahorn so I would know Ashley Sheridan so that's that extra bit of interest I would have in the game as well Yeah and I think we're seeing that across the board you know there's there's 22 players there there's players from so many counties now this season I think we've got 22 players playing at 12 clubs but they're from 13 different counties here in Ireland so there's a, a huge spread geographically the interest is there you've got everything from the greatest player of all time Cora playing at 40 years old right down to Eric O'Shea playing at 19 so you've got a whole demographic of people and ages and interests and we're even seeing it from the messages and the feedback this season you know if we have the girls up and meet Vicky Wall's family or the Lally's family they're watching each other's games and supporting each other generally I I think there's a huge swell of support for all of the girls obviously everyone has interest in their local player or the girls from their own counties but they're supporting the girls as a whole and that's really coming across and obviously it's fantastic as well to see so many young uh, players and young girls watching the games and seeing these players as, as brilliant role models which they are Does it make you proud when you see how well the players do and obviously we mentioned Orla Dwyer and this week she, you know she's 
leading the line again and so many players do, are doing so well, you know, and it's not their native sport. Does it give you that extra smile? Oh, it surely does. And I'm so proud and, and even emotional at times, yeah. to be honest, you know, particularly where three of the players I was working with made their debuts, you know, like when Vicky Wall and Eric O'Shea were making their debut, I was watching the game live here at 2.30 at 3 o'clock a.m. here at home and we were covering it, covering it for the social medias as well, obviously. But, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, you're kind of pinching yourself to say, is this real what these players are achieving? And just the fact now that more people are aware of that, it's fantastic because all of the players deserve that um, recognition. And the other fact is that they, they do so well over there. Like you mentioned, Orla Dwarf, she became the first Irish player ever to win an All-Australian last year. That's unheard of. Yet. Yeah. She didn't play this game three years ago and suddenly she's one of the top 20 players in the whole country. And she came back in round one and was best on ground again after having a shoulder surgery. So she only got back into contact uh, training. She's straight into it. Seeing Cora scoring goals week after week, it, uh, absolutely incredible. She's gone to 50 goals this weekend now, which is a, a huge um, landmark result. Watching Breed's stack story, I worked extensively with Breed down here in Cork for the two years uh, before she got to play and obviously she had that horrific injury. She's featuring in a new Disney docuseries, Fearless, which is hugely popular as well. Just the, the, the emotion of the whole thing and, and the, the pride and excitement in what the players are doing, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, of course you'd be smiling. It, it's unbelievable. Obviously, it's only a, a new thing, but looking back over the years, is there any ladies Gaelic footballer that you think, yes, would have done well over in Australia? Oh God, definitely. Uh, it'll be very hard to, to pick one out of the top of my head, but I've even had players, you know, that I'd meet at games or that'd be just in touch on social media going, if only it was 10 years younger or if only this happened 20 years ago. And I suppose that's amazing as well to see that you've all these greats of the game that have played back through the years going, God, I'd have loved to give them that a crack when they see how successful the Irish players are. And I suppose like Cora is the leading example yeah. without question. She went over there at 36 years old when everyone thought she was finished and off her head to go to Australia playing a, a new sport and this was back when nobody had done it before she was the first Irish player to travel over and go forward she's playing in her sixth season she's played the most games ever for an Irish player scored the most goals ever for, the, for an Irish player the oldest AFLW player in history she hates that stat but it's 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 a positive fact that she's still playing but yeah definitely there is players from multiple counties that I meet that watch and support current bunch of players with great pride but definitely they're thinking I'd have loved to give them that a go but isn't it fantastic that the players are getting the opportunity now and the other thing that fills me with excitement and pride is that this competition is only seven years old. You know, AFL men's is 150 years old. And where this game can go in the next 10 to 15 years is absolutely phenomenal. For the Irish girls to be excelling at the level they are now, it's, it's really exciting to, to see where it goes in the future. Yeah, because you mentioned Cora, obviously, and her age. But the thing about it is, over here in Ireland, there are so many yeah. ladies playing into their 40s and I know someone in their early 50s playing football so it must be it must be an Irish thing yeah I, I think so now interestingly in Australia as the seasons have gone on and I noticed with the feedback coming back from the FLW clubs is the age demographic of the player that they're most interested in looking at is coming down without question you know I think you've Cora who's 40 you've Reed in her mid-30s you've some of the, the girls like age constant 27, 28 but some of the clubs now are saying that they're looking for early to mid-20s. And I think that's mainly coming from the fact that everybody is now starting to look long-term into a situation where this would be a fully professional sport in a couple of seasons where they're looking at taking an Irish player over that's going to be able to play for four, five, six seasons minimum. 
but again, that doesn't rule out anybody, you know. What I've learned is that if you're the right person and the right player to, to fit the criteria of what a club needs, the age doesn't really come into it at all. But definitely, um, players are taking a, a much longer term view. And I suppose this is something that they wouldn't be used to in Australia, is that, uh, that you just mentioned there, that the Irish players play to such a high yeah. level, probably a bit older here in Ireland. You mentioned about playing the sport here in Ireland, and I remember someone from my own county played Australian rules. Obviously now, with the ladies' game being so popular, is there a chance of setting clubs up here in Ireland or even having it as a, a bit of crack? Yeah, there is. Look, there's there's a local league here in Ireland that's been going for the last five or six years. I was involved in setting that up myself initially. It's still at a, a fairly small scale. There's probably four or five teams around the country, but there is opportunities for people to get involved or play at university and stuff like that. I know there's a lot of people keen to get some university teams going and stuff like that, but that's really stemming from the from the seeing the game. So you have that kind of social, local element here at home as well, which is great that people can get out for a kick and then you have the uh, elite element of it where you have players that are thinking I'd like to give that a try and we get those players out as well to, to have a kick with us pretty much give everyone a go that wants to wants to try it out and see what they think so you've got that you've got the elite group of people that the really top county players you've also now got a new group of people who are travelling over to Australia so on their gap year or on their kind of on their adventure trip and they're saying, do you know what? When I'm over there, I might just give AFLW a go. Could you connect me up with a team? Or I'm, I'm going to Brisbane. Where should I play? I'm going to Sydney. Where should I play? I'm working with a group of people that are doing that at the minute as well. And I think I'm working with people in five or six states that are heading over from Ireland across the next six months. And they don't have aspirations at the minute to play at AFLW level. They just want to get involved in the game because they've seen it. They think it's fantastic. They love what the Irish players are doing to see where it takes them. We also have, obviously, the situation this year where Amy Mulholland from Armagh was signed by Fremantle Dockers in the draft. And she went out to Australia in 2019 with no interest in playing AFL and just took it up as a hobby when COVID hit. And suddenly, three seasons later, she's been drafted as a professional. We have something similar with Megan Ryan from Tipperary, who played in the All Ireland quarterfinal Camogie with Tipperary in, yeah. in 2000. And 19 went to Australia, started playing AFLW as well up in um, Adelaide, and she got drafted as an injury replacement literally two days before the season started by Essendon Bombers. So there is scenarios where people can get involved in the game, they can go to Australia, they can play, and the pathway is there. If you're good enough and you're performing well enough, you'll move up through the teams, and everybody, all the AFLW clubs have eyes on all the football, so there's opportunities from that point of view as well. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to a long and hopefully a successful season for the Irish. I tell you, that Instagram page that you have it's absolutely brilliant for anyone who wants to follow the Irish girls because instead of just following them individually you've got it all there compacted on your on your Instagram page which is great for um, supporters yeah anybody that wants to follow all of the Irish players in one location go to at AFLW underscore Ireland on Instagram we're on Twitter and Facebook as well it's kind of a one stop shop it's a lot of hard work and there's a few people helping contribute to it that's the idea all of the news from all of the players and all of the teams all the results the team lists the awards everything's in the one place and you can get all your highlights the goals the Irish pair score everything in the one spot and we're getting huge positive feedback on that at the moment as well which is fantastic it's going to be a busy um, 10 or 12 weeks we've got 10 rounds in total and then we've got 4 weeks of finals after that so we'll be running right up until the 27th of November I think so we'll take it one week at a time but it's very exciting and a busy few months ahead you sound like um, a manager will take a one week at a time, one game at a time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you have to. When you look at the, the fixtures and you see, okay, 10 games yeah. this weekend or nine games this weekend, there's Irish players in every one of those games. 
right from when the, the fixtures are announced, you're looking at the team lists, what players are playing, what players aren't playing. Then you're doing the build-up to the game. Then you're covering the games and watching the Irish highlights and picking out the Irish goals. And we had, in round one, we had eight Irish goals from four different players, which was brilliant. You know, Cora had three, or Dwyer got two. Eamon Mulholland kicked her first goal with her first kick ever. What a dream debut for her. And, of course, we had Anya Ty kicking goal and Ash Mack kicked a brilliant goal for West Coast Eagles, which has been nominated for the AFL Goal of the Year already. So, it's um, we're trying to pick all of the relevant information and put it in the one spot. But uh, there's huge interest and we're seeing that across all the social medias and in terms of the messages we're getting through, um, more so than any of the previous seasons. Well, listen... As I say, keep the good work up. We'll do our best. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks very much for that, Mike. The fixtures for Saturday in the Women's National League at 4.30. Athlone Town entertain Shelburne at 5 o'clock. Cork City are at home to Galway. And P-Mount United take on Sligo Rovers. While at 6pm, Wexford Youths play Treaty United. Also plenty of club games across the country in Gaelic football and camogie. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Medell Healthcare. So until next week, slong the food.